is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on episode 11 of series 6 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Uh, both of us in the South Bank studios today, Damien Barrett and Craig Hutchison. And Craig, as I say hello to you, I want to know, am I getting the shallow manipulative snake oil salesman or the horribly admirable builder of Australia's version of ESPN. Oh, you're a, you're a wacky prankster, Damo. Look at you go. You're back in the studio. You've left your leafy rental down there at Brighton that's being paid for by the insurance industry, and in, in your uh, back in the studio. Oh, what are you, hang on a minute. What am I? Oh, I missed the story here. You're waving your arms around. Is that you're out of there now? Are you back in Middle no, Park? No, no, I'm still there, still there. You're back in Middle Park? No, no, it'll be some, some time before we get back to our house, yes, our home. Oh, here we go. No, I've tumbled on gold here again. No, you haven't. We're dealing what, with what's you. Ha- what's being, happened with the house? Nothing. It's, something has finally started. I think today something – oh, actually, last week something started. So What I'm keen to do is get the neighbour in next week and have a conversation about how this relationship has gone so poorly between you and whether there's a chance to break bread. There's no issue with that, Hussey. I've told you that. They they are very good people. It's just the situation occurred. So let's get back to you being a shallow, <laughs> manipulative snake oil, oil salesman or the horribly admin. How, how did you cope with it? I read it. I think um, it's fair to say uh, your good mate, our good mate, Liam Pickering, had first crack at you on this particular topic. I'm referring to the Good Weekend article written by Conrad Marshall that did a very, very in-depth piece on, on you, beautifully written, as always, when you see the Conrad Marshall byline. How did you cope with it all? Because there was a, there was some negativity to it, but, but probably not as much as I was hoping for, Hutchie. Well, there was always going to be some negativity to it because to not... I guess ask or explore those themes would have been disingenuous of the author. So when asked to do it by Conrad, who's an outstanding journalist, by the way, and I, just to, no one, no one really cares what I think, but I thought it was really fair, no, accurate, and I had no problem with any of it. And I knew that by doing it, you're subject to the good, bad, and the ugly. It is a risk to commit to do these things. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's been taking me a fair while to get my head around doing it. And there's obviously you know, upside and downside, I guess, in everything in life and just run the risk of the downside from once in a, once in a while, try and not do it too often. But uh, I thought it was very fair and reasonable. And the, the criticisms were, um, were a little bit inevitable. And I guess, as I said in the story, it's a little bit easier to do that when your name isn't attached to it. So that's what... The so you see, you've had a crack at a few people there. Can we, we on this program delve behind the scenes of what, what people read and see on record and on air. So when you refer to that, that it is easy to criticise when your name is not attached, can we, can I delve deeper now as to who some of these people might oh, be? Oh, I don't, I actually don't mind. I, I know you don't really quite understand this part of things, but I just don't, people are allowed to have an opinion, Damo. It doesn't have to be positive. No, but you, we're both big on, if you go, we, we always, we always refer to the unnamed football recruiter who would have always yeah. done a better draft than the one that he actually did do, and the scouts of AFL players. So we always refer to these people who are very vocal when their actual name is not attached to the word. So, And I think most me- most meaningful journalists would share that for you, right? So if you're a serious or meaningful journalist, you're more likely to uh, own your own words and put your name to something and, and live and die by the sword. I think that's how most senior journalists operate. There, there's clearly some journalists who uh, have a different view and are happy to put their name to something that doesn't... Uh, they're not known, but it actually doesn't matter anyway. Who cares? Were there any phrases within that article anonymously attributed who you could identify? 
I wouldn't even waste a minute thinking. Yes, about you it. would. I know you well enough to know. Why you would you waste a oh, minute? That'd be that'd be so and so. And, and oh, that bit there—that was definitely so and so. The front window of the car demo is far bigger than the rear vision mirror. And if you're looking in the rear vision, you're going to crash into what's in front of you. There's no point. Life life starts again every morning. Who cares what anyone thinks of you? If if you don't love them or live with them or they're not family, why would you take their opinion seriously anyway? Even if it's true, was Dylan Howard maybe one of these? Uh, zero idea. No idea. And haven't thought about it for a minute. I think it's possible Dylan Howard because he wasn't referenced anywhere, and I was really hoping for a reference to Dylan no, Howard. I don't. I haven't. Because that would have made you even more awkward than you often are. Uh, the the question that was asked to me that I had to answer was, for the record, are you a Scientologist? <laughs> that was a new one for me. I'm allowed to laugh at that even being posed. I heard, <laughs> a, lot, I heard a lot of rumours about me over the years. You've probably got every right to be one if that, you want to be, Hutchie. That weren't true. But the fact that someone out there genuinely thought I was a Scientologist <laughs> was nearly the one that took the cake. Well, you are mates with... Well, you, you, you once shared a Super box at an NFL Super Bowl with one of the most publicised Scientologists. Who's that? Jamie Packer. Is he a Scientologist? I didn't share a super box with him. He was he was. Well, you you was, photo, so one of my spotters at the Pesed game. He arrived. Sent me a photo from behind of both of you being in the same vicinity. Anyway, he arrived for a day of our tour late in about four or five years ago. Uh, I've seen two Tom Cruise movies, maybe three, <laughs> which was my response. Did, did Jamie Packer potentially sell you the? The, I haven't had the, the con- good of whatever that it may be. I know this theatrical uh, needs this morning. I haven't, had, I haven't even had a conversation with someone about Scientology in my life. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually de- I, I, de- I defending bit- myself now in the middle of my Scientology. <laughs> I'm not a Scientologist, Damon. There not. you go. I'll put that on the record for you. Of all the things I, I, I think I've known about you, Hutchie, I wouldn't have put that one uh, down. Um, I've got to say, though, Hutchie, I was, I was underwhelmed with it. And again, it's not a, not a judgment or a criticism of the beautiful piece of journalism it was. I was underwhelmed because I knew this was coming. I was asked to provide only photos. I wasn't asked for any uh, you missed, other input. You missed the cut. I missed the cut. I missed the cut. The board missed the cut. Yeah, my, my photos didn't even make the cut either, yep. Hutchie. Um, so there was an awareness of it in the lead up to it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great fodder for us on the sounding board. But I'm only going to be able to get two or three minutes out of it off the top of yeah, uh, episode 11. Trawling for gold and you've, you've left underwater. No, I think it's you? a credit to you. You gave him nothing, as in anything that I could use. And even you know the list of enemies you've got... And there are a lot. They they weren't prepared to put their name to it, Hachi, of any meaningful nature. So the, I think that's a credit to you. And the, the danger of doing an interview over a, a year, like it went for, I guess, 13 months and there were several interviews, was that you forget what you said yesterday, let alone a year ago. <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> so I won't be... I won't try and pretend I didn't read it. Of course I read it, but in part I read it to understand what it actually I had said. But I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how I saw things, don't I? Back then, and, and I know that we like to take the you know what out of each other on this show and in other parts of what we do. But um, I was actually really glad for you, Hachi. And if I can just say this as a as a mate, um, when I did read it and got to the end of it, there was nothing that was going to be of concern to you. So, or, or you. <laughs> More importantly, and now let's get to the real stuff. Winks went around on Sunday. Oh. Oh, again. Yep. Four weeks from a spell, Winks. I texted you five minutes before the show. He did. He's leaving the mounting yard. <laughs> Out goes Winks. Nick McKenzie. <laughs> Huey on the Bowman course. on top. <laughs> Huey Bowman getting piggybacked out onto the uh, 60 Minutes platform on Sunday. And it was a different style of Winks. It was swagger Winks during the day. Well, you've been onto this. You've noticed the uh, the performance side of Winks in recent times. We're talking about Nick McKenzie, the, the, the single greatest journalist in the history of journalism internationally, in my eyes. His on-camera presence has grown 
significantly as the horse has matured. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> it's a. Uh, He's actually got screen charisma now, which in the early days it was a journalist forced to fit in, into television. Now, no disrespect to anyone involved. They've done a great job, Nine, of that side of the pageantry. I think he's embraced it too. He's embraced it. He's no doubt. Yep. He's, it's the next layer to his yeah. uh, to his craft. He and his high-profile prof- high owners on Sunday have been there. Uh, and they were promoting during the day. They had a story that was going to shock the nation, and it did. I think it delivered. It shocked the nation. Uh, it was a, a theme that's very close to his quest. Uh, the soldiers is an issue that he's owned. Yep. If uh, if Crown gets him an award, this is the one that is a legacy defining and an uncomfortable story, and very serious story for Australia. And not to be laughed at, it's a very very serious story for Australia. You've got uh, Nick McKenzie and Nine who have run continual stories aimed mostly but not always at Ben Robert Smith, and accusing him, and they are accusations, un- untested or proven of his role and then you've got and he, he being Australia's most decorated uh, soldier and then you've got Channel 7 staunch in their defence funded by Kerry Stokes and Ben Robert Smith to complicate things further as the general manager of Channel 7 Brisbane what did you make of the allegations and the journalism behind them on Sunday? Extraordinary. And part of when I say extraordinary is is the backdrop attached to it, and that being that previous stories followed by Nick McKenzie on the same topic, Ben Roberts Smith, are already the subject of defamation, defamation cases at the very highest level with money and funds provided by one of Australia's richest, one of the world's richest people in Kerry Stokes. So... When I say extraordinary, to, to then go again um, in, in a presentation of a story which, again, is unproven and, and let's, let, let's let it all play out through the courts in, the, in terms of the, the legalities of, of what was raised. But that element alone, Hachi, as a journalist, is next level. Would you agree with that part of it? It's very rare that you see someone being sued. For defamation. For defamation. To double down. Double in fact, I'd say down. quadruple down. Yeah, I'd say quadruple down because the... There were things in there that were that, that flouted media law, right? There were things in there that said, "We know this is an accusation that that wouldn't pass the laws, but we're saying it anyway." Like wow. it looked like yeah. it had, had tacit approval from the network to make the claims. Yep. The ones that were untested, I guess. The, my best guess is the piece, the, the new, the new stuff really was the suggestion or the accusation again alleged of Ben Robert Smith involvement in the letters. To potential witnesses, yep. which clearly is defamatory if untrue, and that was the the new suggestion in the Channel Seven response. It referenced that most of the story was not new, and there was one part of the story that was new, which I took to be that that had been. Yep, but, that was a part. Okay, yeah, it wasn't proven because yep. the backyard box and the audio and the pictures, unbelievable journalism. First of all, to get be able to get those. Oh. Your head goes as a journalist where and how and who was motivated to leak them. Yes. Very tough thing to get. So then you've got them, but then to actually go the next step and actually make them public, that's on your head. So you you get them and you make them public and you're hearing Ben Robert Smith's voice. You're seeing the reenactment of the pictures of of the box in the backyard. It's got that whole kind of, you know, mafia feel to it. But that part actually was not new to the police, right? The police... It was the police correct me if I'm wrong who found the box in the in the first place. So they were the police were aware of the juicy stuff, the box, hmm. the pictures and the audio. 
that was that was not new to the police. The new well, bit- the audio is an interesting part of it. It was it was scratchy audio. I, again, as a journalist, as as you referenced a moment ago, I was going there. How do you get that audio? How do you get that audio? Yeah, so it's only. I mean, it's either police or not police, right? If it's not police, who else knew and had access, and why? Mm. Um, and it clearly wasn't. It wasn't as if there was a microphone under the under the conversation because there was background noise. There yep. was. It sounded like they were using a cafe. I thought. Yep. Um, and again, the, we're coming at this from a from a journalistic perspective here. Was it made available to the lawyers. The lawyers are generally, if if more than one lawyer has any information in the story, it's a, it's a, not a bad way into a soliciting a. A, a bit of news. Hmm. They're a little bit more motivated than most lawyers. I think it's fair to say in the in a media sense. Well, they're they're the they're the one group of people who win out of out of anything in, like this. Yeah, they, the, win or lose the case, they still win. Uh, media and lawyers have a healthy coexistence. I would <laughs> I would put it. Yep. But I'm not saying it was them by any means. I was wondering in my head how many lawyers had access to that audio or not. And who would be motivated by it? It's hard to imagine the police hmm. being motivated by it. It's breathtakingly good journalism to have it, then the decision to do it. Yeah. So that's another thing. Like, so put yourself in Winx's shoes, Damo, in Winx's hoofs. I'd love to be able to, Hutchie. Um, would, would, you have, would you have put your name to that? Was it in the public interest, regardless of it being you know, unfair to a potential trial? And would you put your name to that story if you had the information? It's uh, again without knowing all the intricacies of it. I, I would doubt the way I'm wired, and you you uh, you raise the conservatism in me as I get older, and I think it's a fair um, observation of, of how I carry myself. But I think it's held me in very good stead in terms of being sued for, as a journalist. I can't find my. I, I don't think I'd find myself in a situation where where if I'm being sued already, and my organisation by extension, where I'd be prepared to go down the same path again. Really. I, well, again, without knowing exactly how it all f- unfolds. So you wouldn't have done it? I, I, I can't say I wouldn't have done it, but my starting point would have been I've got to be very careful, as I'm sure Nick McKenzie yeah, was. Well, I know, let's, let's assume that we agree on that. You'd say that when you find out someone's got a hamstring. Better be careful, this is two weeks, not three, or I'll look bad. Well, so, well sorry for trying to get it right, Hutchie, at the outset, and, and that, that's not something this, that could ever be levelled at Nick the, McKenzie. The, these are extraordinary allegations. This is our most decorated soldier. Yep. Who, a journalist? But to your point, is, to, the, to the general public, let's get back to what you've just asked me. The, to the, in the general public's eyes, and you and I are fascinated by this story for a number of reasons. There's, there's Nick McKenzie, for starters, I, I'm obsessed with, as you know, and have been for 15 years. The, the topic, no one's ever gone down this path in an Australian war crimes allegation. That's all it is at the moment. You've then got Kerry Stokes added to it. And I want to get to that side of it in a minute. And then you've got the journalism side of all of it. It's 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 right in our hitting zone with it. What did the general public glean out of the additional reporting on well, the, on the Sunday it, night? It, in, it only was interpreted in one way because it was reported in one way. It was reported. It was gotcha journalism in the way it was presented. Yeah, and I'm not, that's not that's as a criticism. No. That was, that's a fact. And so if you watched it and you weren't super in tune to what was going on, you you were. LBW plum in front was the was the view you were forming, and again it is untested in the court of law. It, it broke every journalistic rule really to do mm. it. But I got to say, I, I think having thought about it for thirty six hours, based upon all of the things that he had, yep, based upon the high level of public interest in this case and it and its importance to Australia, 
I think he's entitled to absolutely mm. do the story. But this is why, in my eyes, he's the best there's ever been, because he is prepared to do it. Yeah. What, what, I, what I didn't agree with, and far better for me, but I, I do think, regardless of how uncomfortable it is, regardless of how you know you're going to get the door shut on you and the answers and the risk mitigation, of course, you, you just have to take those allegations to Ben or the Seven Network and, and right. table it to them. Okay. Seven said in their statement that they weren't contacted or given the right to reply. Now, he will say, what's the point of that? They're on the record. They're suing me. They're defaming. They don't, they don't for, for defamation, they don't agree with it. They're not, of course, yeah, and I get that argument too. They would have been, I would think, Hutchie, the way these things work, exposed to an 11th hour injunction attempt Probably. on that product. Had they given Iken a heads up? So that that's also part of this conversation, isn't it? But by not going, according to the defence the next day from the from Kerry Stokes and 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 Ben Robert Smith's camp, that they weren't um, given the right to respond to any of it. Had they been given the right, even at five o'clock Sunday afternoon, I don't think that story goes to where. Would you agree with that potential? Potentially, that would have been one of the discussions. It would have been a QC having had his or her door knocked on to yep. say, uh, "Guys, we need, we need to get this to court right now. This story can't go." Um, look, let's move on. The, the the referencing constantly throughout it and and in the articles in both the Age Herald and would Sydney you, Morning Herald. Can I just ask you one question? Would you fear for your safety as the journalist involved in this? Yeah, is, absolutely. Would you be thinking this is pretty high stakes level stuff? Soldiers, actually, actually you. We've both had. Threats and and you've you've gone public. I've, you've gone public with yours in some of your situations where you, you all we do is buy bloody footy and you've had threats of, of a serious nature. I, I've you're dealing with war crimes here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah if, if, yes. To answer your question, of course you would be. And that this is just one part of Nick McKenzie's life. He's also got the Crown Casino story that I think would be equally worrying yeah. <laughs> in terms of some of the angles he's explored on that. Would you sleep well at night? You couldn't. You could. <laughs> you were, I mean, I know you how wouldn't. many times did you? Again, I know you. You flippantly now refer to oh, it's only footy, but I know you well enough to to know that you're you're as good as there's ever been in footy, and I've said that to you many times. So you would have put your head on the pillow on a Thursday night after some of those footy show stories, surely, and thought, hmm, how's this going to play out tomorrow? Because I know I did. When you try and push me into a response that you want, one of your journalistic techniques is you say, I know you well enough to know, as if you're trying to give me that little bit of comfort at the start of the sentence, to goad me into a response that's favourable to the question you're trying to frame. And you don't think I spot it in the way you frame the question. Maybe I'm just pumping you up as being a good operator, Archie, and, well, and a good bloke. Well, one thing I know, I, I know you well enough, Damo, to know <laughs> that you won't be surprised by that answer. Um, st- no, not not anything like this. No. Well, I mean, I don't, not no, even, but, but I'm talking relatively speaking. No, not, not really. Nick, yes, I did. Nick McKenzie swims in the deep end of the pool in journalism. <laughs> it doesn't get any deeper, and there's sharks all around him everywhere, and he's and he's actually harpooning a few of them as he goes. It can't be a comfortable existence. He surfs the whales, Nick. I admire him endlessly in his bravery and his ability to extract a story, his ruthlessness, his fearlessness. And so, but there'll be, there'll be a winner and a loser out of this from here. There's no... Well, no, there's there's winners already, this the isn't, lawyers. This isn't going to be a nil or draw at the end. Really? This is... This is a fight to the absolute this death. Is, this is war crimes, life and death, big media. It's It's got... Um, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a well, go to right to the right. Well, yep. One observation: the, the constant referencing Hutchie to this being a joint investigation of sixty minutes, the Age, and the Sydney Morning Herald. It's not. It's Nick McKenzie, Hutchie. 
Yeah, but the way that they market it, I, I've said to you before, I think is oh, it's fantastic way they market it. Yeah, they unlock their different markets. But it's wi- it's it's a Winks investigation, Hutchie. It's, it's not a joint investigation. No, I don't accept that. It looked like in the print version, it had significant extra support and coverage and a lot of background. I suspect he's become a bit of the the um, lead singer in the band on some of these investigations. I, I, I think Chris Masters was heavily in. Oh, was he? Involved. I didn't actually pick up on that part of it. Well, if he's involved, well, yeah, it is a joint investigation. It, but it but like ultimately, it. it's it's Winx's story. Yeah, he's getting a lot of the a lot of the credit, but I think Hartnell was very involved as well. All right, now just to wind up on this topic, we're going to do uh, just going to cover off a, an angle of it this way. On the sounding board, Spin City for Drinkwise. Remember, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. No. This is where Hutchie, and, and this is where I've I don't give you up. any warning. It's not on any running sheet of Jane's doing or my doing, because you don't want the warning when we do Spin City. And today... I, I, I've retired from Spin City. When? The Lee Sales was my last one. I hung the boots up. <laughs> Lee Sales? <laughs> oh, that's, was that, that was some MP interview, That's wasn't one of the it? reasons why someone's calling me a shallow manipulative snake oil salesman, because <laughs> you made me do Spin City. No, I, you volunteered Spin City, and it worked so I, beautifully I, for I two seasons until, until you realised that every conversation you had with people who dear to you, no. we're prepared to see through some of your answers, Hutchie. I'm out. So what we're going to do today, today you are Kerry Stokes. Oh, no, I'm not. No. I'm and almost... Mr. Stokes, well, I appreciate that you are normally a recluse when it comes to media. And to allow us to have this conversation today, I'm prepared to remove the possibility of there being anything illegal attached to Ben Roberts I, Smith's I, just, actions. Just to jump in. Aside from the fact that I that Spin City have retired from, it, it, it I'm not going to do this because it is not an issue that you make light of. No, I'm not. I, a, no, I'm not making light of. This is a, a, a potential. Spin City is always about you telling people how to handle situations publicly. This is what you are doing today. When I put these questions to you, Mr. Stokes. Yeah, I'm not going to play the role. You are, you are, because this is what you do in Spin City, and I'm, I'm prepared, Mr. Stokes, to to remove. In fact, let's say there is no. Illegality attached to anything that's been aired, okay, for the purpose of this Spin City conversation. And I've put enough prefacing around it, Hutchie. I don't think you're going to have anything here to worry about legally yourself. Oh, when you answer it under Spin City, I've said there's nothing illegal happening. What I would say, what I would like to ask you though, Mr. Stokes, is there a perception, is there an optics issue with, with someone being at the head of one of your major media assets while allegations and that's all they are and even let's for the purpose not, of this conversation not, Mr Stokes say they are unproven and will be and will be proven inaccurate is there a perception issue with this situation I'm not going to answer that as Kerry because it would be disingenuous to the story what I, what I would say uh, leaving that aside is he is absolutely entitled Kerry to defend his friend and colleague he may be proven right. He may be proven wrong. But you can't begrudge his... He's entitled to, de- to defend and to fund... If this he, person. And the innocence of proven guilt should not be lost in this. And you need to apply that uh, as a viewer against what you see, which is not to say that what he is accused of doing... He, All right, you're dancing around here, and I, I get it, and you've answered it well. Hutchie, you run a media business. So is, there, is there an optics issue? I'll, I would say there is an optics issue at the very least. Should he stand down at this point in time? Well, the, to deal with this very serious situation. Well, I would think if it gets to become a commercial problem, 
you know, advertisers and those sort of things and people can't, you know, we don't want to deal with them or any of those things, which I, I assume is not far away, then that, that becomes a greater issue. It becomes a practical issue more than a did he or didn't he yep. do it. Um, it looks like it might go for years, though, don't you think? Like it's yeah, ha- it'll drag out. It'll drag out. One of the problems with standing the stand down everywhere is that mm. the length of time... Even when it comes to um, to, to criminal allegations, they, they, they take years. So the, 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 your gut feeling is stand down looks like it makes a little bit of sense, but... All right, let, let's... I, I admire Kerry for his... Kerry's saying, I, I believe in this guy, I'm going to fund his defence. I admire his right to do that. And I don't think a stand standing somebody out for five years is a little bit unfair if you haven't proven their guilt or yeah. otherwise. Let, let's remove Spin City with, with this. Okay, last question on this because we have a lot of with this. I'm surprised. Yeah, I was going to ask you, were you surprised the next day when, when it came through pretty early? Um, TV Black Box, I think, wasn't it? Kevin Perry's yeah. um, platform yeah. uh, produced the, the, yep. the, the Channel 7 response. Were you surprised to read the contents of that? Because I, I put my hand up. I was. I, I thought that there was enough in that report for there to be a stand-down component to what happens next. I think they're kind of at the point now where they're, they're so chips in on the defence that, they, that they're going to run that routine until they can't, right? And... I didn't think they would. I didn't think it'd be enough to change their mind. In fact, I suspect they probably knew. If you're funding the defence, you've probably got access to the to some of the, and the documents. Yeah, right. So I suspect that Kerry knew probably eighty percent of that. I suspect the accusations on the letters were new to him, and that they were posted from a regional. T- oh, there were some things mm. in there that would have made you wince if you're watching. Yep. The accusations, at least. But yeah. I don't think most of it would have been t- um, surprising to him. Yep. And he's clearly. Um, in, entitled to defend him. Yep. All right. We've, we've laboured that way too. Do you think? Too do you think the seven v nine is an element of this story? Um, I, I didn't think that initially. I, I reckon it's a fair question to ask. Although, again, I don't know Nick McKenzie well, but I, I reckon I know the way he operates. That I think he'd take on one of his own if he had to, and if he was in the same situation. So, I think you you, you factor in the Nick McKenzie component to this, and you probably say it's got nothing. In fact, it, it would have it would have nothing to do with it. Now, that doesn't mean that people around Nick McKenzie at his organisation haven't embraced the angle of this story, Hutchie. Would you agree with that? Yeah, part I, of it. I think it's I think it's an, an it's an element, but the biggest story is still is it's still, still a story. Yeah. Hey, tell me, have you had your popcorn out every morning? Watching the uh, the inquest, the media diversity inquiry with uh, Turnbull and Rudd and the News Limited hooks to it. Have you been sitting there with uh, popcorn at home? And- um, information comes to you, doesn't it, through social media followings. And I think you're referring to. Um, Have you to- asked them to put it on there, down there at the uh, cinema in Brighton for you? They can go along on your own in the lounge chair and watch it every day. I'm not, and- no, in fact, I don't care as much for it as you'd like to make out. But what we will do right now is it's something we don't often do on this uh, product is uh, actually play some evidence provided by Malcolm Turnbull, former Prime Minister, at this uh, media inquiry. Effectively, you now have, as you had with Abbott, a sort of symbiotic relationship between News Corp and the Prime Minister and his office, right? And it is a, almost a coalition government. And, you know, these are very, very, these are really uncomfortable things to confront. But we have to recognise that, that the way news operates is very different to the way Fairfax operates, or the ABC operates, or the Guardian operates. It is it is highly partisan, highly targeted, and its operations are politically very instrumental in the sense that they're designed to achieve outcomes, whether that is 
protecting their mates, getting rid of people they don't like, or whatever, or, you know, sort of stopping action on climate. I mean, I'll just give you one example. That, that's just a sample of it, actually. It, it goes longer and there's references that people can pick up uh, on on other yeah. media platforms of it. But um, I, I, I know enough about News Limited to know that a lot of this being presented is a badge of honour to them, I, I reckon. That... that, that, that Turnbull grab there, as damning as it is if you want to isolate it and analyse what he said there, and they wouldn't care. And you know what? In the terms of this this inquiry, probably nor should they. And then We've got a very bitter man here in Malcolm Turnbull. He went on to say, which... Uh, Kevin Rudd shared, by the way, on social, to see Rudd and Turnbull playing ball on this <laughs> yeah. is not the funniest thing of, of the whole thing. Tur- Turnbull went on to explain that Murdoch bullies, he, he says... Murdoch bullies politicians to do his bidding. He targets anyone who steps out of line, sends a message to others. He's, it operates like a mafia gang. Yeah. Are we getting a little bit? Are they going a bit over the top here? This is general. This is. I know. I understand your. You come from a bit of a bias bent, but this is a media company. This is not a coalition or a mafia gang. Like, are they? Have we got two bitter prime minister, ex prime ministers? Absolutely, here? have yeah. two, two prime ministers who whose reign in that uh, main chair ended disastrously for them. Um, and and now just spend their, their whole lives retrofitting whatever it was that was supposedly wrong against them. Now, they've got reason to have issues, Hutchie, don't get me wrong, but Rudd spent a lot of time trying to wine and dine News Limited. So did Turnbull. I'm, I'm assuming Turnbull yeah. did too. Yeah. They were, they were players in the game. Yep. Liked the game when it was on their terms. When they were kicking with the wind, yep. how good is this ground? Yep. When they're kicking into the wind, they want to move it indoors. And this, this Senate inquiry, again, you're probably better off for having it than not having it, but what's it going to achieve? Right, it's right, about surely. media diversity. There is no media diversity, Hachi, when it comes to the ownership of these companies. And In fact, there's less diversity now when it comes to how it's all structured and who has the tentacles reaching everywhere. It's a boat race, isn't there it? was, yeah. Yep. So, so, so what power is it going to have? Um the Masters. Let, let's just break it up with something light, Hutchie. Now, I know you think I've been obsessed with high-definition TV. Did oh, you no. manage to watch any of it during oh, the no. week? No. I've been st- oh, no. this, this station on 508. Now, for those who are fortunate enough to have the, the old-fashioned Foxtel box still and the, and the, the ultra-high-definition 4K TVs, you've never seen anything like it, Hutchie. Peter, Peter Familari from the Herald Sun just walked in. It's have a, a look at you. It's clearer. It's clearer than what you would see with your own eyes somehow. I don't know how that works. Why are you so obsessed with the quality I just want to break up our, our little chat today. It's been pretty heavy. It's been, yeah, we've been going for 35 minutes and it's, it's been really I've heavy. I've got a few quick ones to bounce off you. Yeah. Glenn Bartlett. Yep. Uh, negative story uh, today in the, I think Harold Sun and Sam McClure mentioned similar, that it didn't end well at Melbourne for him. And Is that fair? I think it's fair in relation to what was going on behind the scenes in the off-season. The staggering aspect, I think, what happened to Melbourne, I don't think anyone at Melbourne, maybe Simon Goodwood aside, felt they were going to be sitting four wins, zero losses after the first four games. Look, the factual part of this was there was a lot of um, boardroom manoeuvring and politicking going on in the off season. It didn't amount to anything of a nature, Hutchie, where I felt the need, and I'm just, well, other journalists didn't either because no one reported on it, as far as I'm aware, that needed to be made public. But clearly, something happened in that period to, to make Glenn Bartlett make a decision, unusually, strangely, peculiarly, four rounds into a new season where they're sitting four and zero. Uh, Roaming Brian wasn't back again on the weekend. I noticed that your exclusive last week that it had been shelved, bobbed Sounding up. Sounding board exclusive. Bobbed up in the Herald Sun on the weekend and was covered. And there's, there's the line of defence that surely is uh, we're running out of, it, with the COVID defence is still the line of defence on this, so from the from the network. 
big groundswell among the sounding board fraternity to have it back. Everyone loves it. Do you want to bring it back? Personally? Yeah. Yes. You love it, don't you? I, I, I do too. I think it's wonderful television, and I don't agree with the theory that it that it isn't befitting of Brian's new role. See, I didn't know that the warming of Brian meant you had to leave behind the, the less warm segments yep. that he was subject the, to. The less controllable segments, yep. I think, is probably a better way to refer to I don't get it. I think everyone loves it. It extends experience by 20 minutes. It's just a personal view. I'm, a, I'm just a, a, a viewer, Hutchie, on this, but Channel 7 don't like those unscripted moments. And, and okay, please, don't make this a 9 versus 7 thing. That, that's... To me, that is their DNA when it comes to football broadcasting. And you know what? They will argue it's worked man- magnificently. And and who's to argue that? As a viewer, and that's yep. all I am here, the, everything, everything is scripted. Which, oh. Again, am, am, I, am I being too harsh? No. We need it back. And all points bulletin. I stand with Brian is the hashtag. But we've to- we've, we've referred to this. Maybe I, I roam with maybe Brian. Maybe disrespectfully, but the James Brayshaw on Triple M is not the James Brayshaw on Channel 7. We need a hashtag, I roam with Brian, or I roam with BT. Well, why does it mean so much to you to want to mount this campaign on his behalf? Because it's 20 minutes of magnificent television. It makes you start to watch it. It's, un- it's uncomfortable yeah. to watch. And it doesn't... I know that as part of the warming, they want to avoid any areas that can put him in jeopardy, but society's moved past that. We know he's a great caller, but we love to see him roam. Bring back the roam. I roam with BT. <laughs> Let's go back to another... you're too hard on him in the pregame too on Triple M. I know there's been some issues there, but he should be in the pregame as well. There we're you go. too hard to him. Yep. Well, that was his decision, Hush. I told you that. that yeah, was... but I know... He's got that much... I think he still calls four games a week when there's a Thursday game. Yeah, I'd have him in the pregame. Now, we talked about a couple of prominences and I'll let him roam ago. afterwards as well. In the pre- well, that's where it started. That's where uh, Whispering Brian started yeah. in the rooms yeah. before the game and after the game. Um, ScoMo Hutchie, you know, you, the, the soundbiter, as I, as I now refer to him, he, he's, he just talks in, in riddles. The latest one. and You've turned on him in the last six or eight weeks, haven't you? Six or eight weeks? Yeah. You've just been building into a real... No, no, no. I would have thought this has been going... How long has he been Prime Minister for now? You've been chipping away at him because you've had Tony Abbott oh, yeah. going, have you just seen this, just see this, and texting you privately going, what about this day, mate? Make sure you give us a run this week. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> you really now... You, you started off bipartisan in the sounding board. Now you've gone, ScoMo, where are you? I can't wait to talk about ScoMo today. No. You're so... No, I try to avoid him, actually. I actually try to avoid his rubbish that he trots out. But because he's got when this... The, when you get the text from Tony Abbott, how often is it on a group text with Peter Credlin and your brother? Is it like a group, and, um, one for this week, well, well, there's one with those people, actually, and there's another one, a wider one with Alan Jones in it as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's a joke for those who don't yeah. get it. Uh, bad, an attempt at him. As, as um, funny as you get. Yeah, well, that's probably true too. But now, let me get back to ScoMo, right? So, he did, because he talks in sound bites, he... He's not even one-dimensional. He's about 22% dimensional. He dared say, within the last time you and I spoke together, that it's not a race when it comes to the vaccinations for COVID-19. Yeah. I would have thought, Hutchie, give us a, it is a race. Give us a drum roll if you can, please. If you, if you got one there, here it is. Drum roll, please. ScoMo. It's a race, man. <laughs> That's what the vaccine is. It's <laughs> nothing know, but a race. We, of course, it's a race. But so, so why, in the soundbite mentality he's got, would he would he say it's not a race? Who's advising him to deliver that? Because they've had a shocker. And you know who's leading? You know who's in front of Australia in the race? Who? Rwanda. Yeah. Bolivia. Well, what happened was Bangladesh is in front of Australia in the, in the world's most important race. We mentioned this quite a lot here on the sounding board. COVID. 
as a, it was a game, and getting COVID under control was half time in the game. Yeah. The vaccine and how you respond and kick again was the third quarter and the fourth quarter. At half time, Australian health officials, with the exception of Victoria, have, moved, have gone inside and they've smoked the pipe demo. <laughs> how well have we done here? How good's Australia? Yeah. There's been a lot of that. And they've come out 10 minutes late for the third quarter and they look around and people yeah. people getting getting positions everywhere. We haven't, we've miss, we misordered. We got, we had too much, we were too late to the party. We're not enough Pfizer, Pfizer, excuse me. And, um, now we're playing catch up, and the spin, the, the naivety to put a timeline on it when you weren't like you committed to the. So, so, but then it was a race because the 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 soundbite then was we will be among the world's first to receive the yep. vaccine. We will have all population vaccinated yep. by insert date here. So, so it was a race then. Now, what about we're in different vaccine categories, by the way. <laughs> You're now in the Astra Z crew. I'm still in now, the Pfizer. Can I get the Astra? I can get the Astra Z. Yeah, yeah. 50. I, I turned 50 last year. Now, yeah. being as famously conservative as you are, I want to ask you the direct question. Yeah. You are 50. Yep. If you're 49, you're being advised not to have the Astra Z. <laughs> now you're 50 years and a few months old, Damo. Look, t- are you touch go- wood, Hutchie, because health is the most important thing that any of us Look can have. Along- Look at me. I'm looking at you. Are you going to get the Astra Z? I'll get whatever I'm told to get at the time my time is up. There you go. You're happy to take the Astra Z? Yeah, I'll take whatever. Give us. Just give it to us. I want it to be a race. What I'll it- take it to. You bring it in next week. The other ones I'll available? Let you- I'll let you administer it if you put some gloves on. There you go. The other ones available? <laughs> you're going, oh, I've heard read about those blood clots, or you. You, which way are you leaning? I'll take whatever is in the syringe when it's yep. my turn, Hutchie. It would be a little bit confronting to a 50-year-old to be senior on the cutting point of whether it's safe or not safe, I would well, think. If you want to analyse being 50, you, you, you can have those moments, yeah. yeah. I, I, I defy anyone who's reached that age to not... If you want to dwell on the fact you are 50, <laughs> to not have them, you're not that far off, though, yourself. You've... I'm only eligible for one vaccine. <laughs> You can take the AstraZ under 50, though. you just got to be aware of them. You're being cautioned not to, so you can still choose it. No, no, you're telling me I can take it. Get your story right. I'll have to take it. Yeah, you're, you're, no, you're, you're, you're green light. Right. Okay. Because of your age. Um, Eddie Maguire, Hutchie, I noticed something last week, and you know I pick up on things that, that may or may not um, be of interest to our, our, our listeners. On Footy Classified on the Wednesday show that he does, yep, um, came out with a blueprint, which just on that, I think he might have taken one of your ideas. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move that on. But it was, a, it was a really good look at where footy could be yep. in X amount of years' time. The reason I raise this is not to talk about the blueprint itself and the um, elements of it. Is It appeared in the Herald Sun with a reference to set on Footy Classified or set on Footy Classified. Very quickly. Before Footy Classified was on air. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I've, without knowing what happened here, I can't remember who wrote it. And I normally do. I've got some views on what might have happened. What do you think might uh, happen? Well, <laughs> tell me what your your views are, Damo. Well, <laughs> I have no way of knowing if this is indeed how it happened. Look, that was a feature part of that program, and and this is where Eddie is still the best touch. Yep. The traction he got on a blueprint for the future is something that you've trotted out a thousand times to the point where I've told you to stop talking about it even over a beer. Every one of us has had a crack at how footy could look. He got some genuine cut through yep. on something that I'm not putting down the product that he presented that wasn't new, okay? Some of the specifics were new but not necessarily new. The detail was very It was great. Very well. No, in fact, out. and I made sure I read through everything every bit of it and, and watched it on, on his own on his own show. But I would think, and very smartly if this is the case, that someone 
around that show, and maybe even Eddie himself, has said, hey, listen, I'm going to go and do this on this show tonight if, you, if you're interested in it. And, of course, Errol Sun's interested in an Eddie story. You can have it first. I saw it and read it and smiled and didn't think about it until you just mentioned it then. But I would think you're probably 100% true. And how clever is it? It was clever. He, he was able to trade – he gave access clearly to – Either was it recorded earlier, or he, all the information? Maybe he gave it to them in a manner that they could get it, make it into the first. And, edition and, of the and provided there's a reference to footy classified in the story somewhere, yeah. it's, it's all yours. Yeah. And and he brought the Herald Sun, who had been arguably the hardest on him, back into the tent. In yes. doing it. it was smart. And it the other aspect of that, management. And the other aspect and of that is Robbo wrote a column supporting his oh. plan on the weekend. <laughs> Oh jeez! Talk about it. Talk about a U-turn there. So it worked on every level, didn't it? Yeah. And it's just, and it's why people should not underestimate how brilliant he is and how talented. That's he is what I'm saying. He's still as the puppet master. Of, and it's extraordinary because it actually went against the Herald Sun policy of not doing anything at all positive to about do with Channel Nine. And that is that is Hutchie. I don't. Was there a nine reference in the story though? Uh, I definitely picked up on a footy classified reference, which is why I raise it here today. Maybe maybe there wasn't a reference yep. in But you know the, the you know there is now, Hachi, I know this to be the case. There is a policy in there, nothing positive to do with Channel Nine product at all. I, I don't agree with that. I'm sure it's well, like, no 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 no. I'm telling you that is the case. Gee, you've taken some people down today. I reckon it's time to finish up, Damo. We we yeah. do that on, yep. on after we uh, answer the question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Got a couple of options here, Hutchie. I might go with this one, provided you can answer it properly. Josh Shrive on Facebook. There were a few grenades thrown in the Good Weekend article on Hutchie. What's the best grenade you've received, Hutchie? The best you've dodged and the best you've thrown yourself? And who's your favourite talent across all your media empire? There's a few questions there to unpack. All right, let's go. What's the best grenade you've received? Well, you always remember the coaching grenades most, right? Kevin Sheedy? Pagan Sheeds, uh, our great friend, the late Danny Frawley. <laughs> he gave you a couple? One of the yeah. – and I say this from the much love, looking back, and a big smile on my face gave me a two-minute blistering voice message once, which um, was classic spud and just defending his players. I loved him for it. Um, they were probably the three that spring to mind. Pagan times two, Shetty by one. Um, yourself? Uh, the best one I received, I still reckon, I haven't given this, uh, Alistair Lynch gave me as good a one as I've ever got in the whole time I've been doing this rubbish. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was sharp. Um, it was in the days of mobile phones being part of our lives, but not necessarily the, the first use of a, yep. of a phone device. But it rang one day, no number on it, no one had contacts those yep. days uh, just I did not talk for two minutes yep. and by the time I did he'd hung up and it was <laughs> it was a, it was as brutal a questioning of my character of my yep. work and we we got on reasonably well now without being mates but uh, we've certainly sorted it out but it, it was when you talk about grenades um, it's one I still remember it, uh, we've talked about a few of these in the past but John Hook Jeff Walsh Brian Waldron Ron Joseph all had that. Rod they all had that. They all had the verbal weapon in their arm. They all could bowl right arm verbal at 160 kilometres an hour on occasion. <laughs> Moving both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, look at that last part of Josh's question. Your favourite media talent across your media empire, Hutchie. And I know the answer to this because you're torn. You've got the the love affair with Gary Lyon you've had for, for forever. You've got the equal love of. 
Tim Watson, and you've also got the the man who you didn't talk to for about ten years because he didn't talk to you because you might have burned him on a story once, Jared Waitley. So there's your trifecta. I'm prepared to go in order for, on your behalf for Josh Shrive who's asked his question. I think it's a stupid question to be honest. Gary Lyon still wins the race. Tim's Tim's comes second by a bob of the head, and Jared is is closing. It's like so none of that would none of that would be fair or true. Don't, well, well, well correct me then. Correct. I don't think of anyone. Correct what I've just said differently to anybody else. Can you just, just correct what I've said. I do like to see people make a career for themselves out of hard, hard work, and people like Kane Corns and Katie Brown, and people that have just willed themselves to be really good at what they do. There you go. All right, Josh, that's the answer to your question of the week. And uh, that's it for episode 11 of Series 6 on the sounding board, Hutchie. As always, for DrinkWise, if you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise.